We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I've got one thing to ask you. Are you ready for rapid fire? I am. I've, I was driving home as fast as I could to get into this rapid fire. All right. And you got in early and we had more basketball talk with Tom Noy. Well, the big news of the day, fill in the blank on this first one. It's blank that according to SI's Ross Dellinger, Notre Dame's exclusive negotiating period with Under Armour has expired, which makes Notre Dame free to negotiate its shoe and apparel deal on the open market. It is excitingly favorable uh, for Notre Dame to be in this situation. And why I say that is I think that um, there are better brands out there for Notre Dame. Um, and, and I also think that it, it is favorable for Notre Dame because they're essentially a free agent on the market and being one of the biggest brands in football, they're going to be a hot commodity. They're going to be, everyone's going to want them. They're going to be throwing you know, nice packages them out there. I'm sure there's going to be, you know, uh, lots of uh, money talked about. But again, it's going to be favorable for Notre Dame because they are Notre Dame. And, and I guarantee any of these, you know, Nike, Under Armour, um, Adidas, they all will want Notre Dame to wear their gear. So I'm very excited to see uh, what comes out of it. Yeah. And I just hit a button and I hope that it doesn't screw up my screen. Of course, it is going to cover everything up. I've I've gotten good at that this week, hitting buttons that I'm not supposed to push. I can't believe it's already been 10 years since they Same. did this deal with Under Armour. It's, it really seems like it's flown by. It seems closer to like five or six for whatever reason. But, you know, just like you said, like just because the exclusive negotiating period has expired. That doesn't mean they can't still talk to Under Armour. And I'm sure Under Armour is going to want to talk to them. You know, they can still bid on it, but it does mean that Notre Dame is a free agent. And they can go out and dance with all the other girls at the party now, you know, and it's like, you know, I, I like you. I just don't love you. So they can still talk to Under Armour, but interesting timing as well. Marcus Freeman on that whirlwind cross-country trip that he made last week I think his first stop was in Maryland at Under Armour headquarters and I'm sure that they pulled out all the bells and whistles to try to make him happy when he was out there but it's just such a great opportunity for Jack Swarbrick and Notre Dame to see what's out there now and I'm sure that Notre Dame is going to be in a hot demand the Under Armour Under Armour deal was one of the top 
you know, apparel deals of all time. But, you know, part of that deal was Under Armour gave Notre Dame stocks in this. And those the price of the stocks have fallen from like 27 bucks four years ago to seven bucks, eight bucks, you know, in that range right now. So, you know, what Notre Dame is getting out of that is not very good right now. And then you look at some of the quality of the different stuff. And, you know, like Tanner says, all he cares about is fix the mustard yellow pants. Yes. Can we actually get real gold pants? You know, does Nike or Adidas or whoever it happens to be have real gold that they can make the pants? You know, that is that is the next question. But I was looking. Nike currently has around 70 schools. And that's not including Jumpman. That's just the Nike, the regular Nike brand itself. Jumpman has like 7 to 10. Adidas is around 40. Under Armour, including Notre Dame, still has 17. New Balance has the one and only Boston College among its, you know, as its one and only partner. But like you look, Kansas and Adidas are Kansas and Adidas. Kansas and Indiana are like the two biggest, probably Adidas properties right now. But of course, that's predominantly basketball. It's not even football. Miami, Florida. The Hurricanes and the Washington Huskies are the two most prominent football schools that are associated with Adidas. So it would be huge for Adidas to be able to to get Notre Dame back. Whether that happens, I don't know. But like Jumpman, of course, has Michigan. Everybody knows that. But they've got Florida. They've got North Carolina, Oklahoma, and UCLA. And I think that that's kind of the one you know that that maybe has a lot of people excited is is the whole Jumpman thing. But I mean, you know, everyone loves. The retro Jordans, like you've got a million different pairs of shoes. Like if we're just talking shoes themselves and we're talking comfort and performance, what's the brand that you prefer? Oh, it 100% be Nike. And I wouldn't even think twice about it in terms of style, on-field performance. Um, the, the thing about Under Armour is their cleats are clunky. And I think that Nike has specific cleats that are more adaptable for, you know, cutting, um, sprint speed, you know, just everything else. There's more comfort, there's more durability, and they're just not, le- they're, they're, they're less clunky overall. So I think my, like, ranking would be Nike 1, and then honestly, I think Under Armour and Adidas would be like 2A and 2B. I don't really see a whole lot of difference um, between the two. I think Adidas is actually a little bit cleaner and less clunky, um, but I really wouldn't want them to go back to Adidas. So to me, you know, it, it, yes, Nike has a large, you know, brand or selection, I guess you could say amongst college sports, but I truly think that that Nike has the best look to it. Um, and like you said, I wouldn't be opposed to Jumpman either. I just don't know if Notre Dame would go that route. I think if they would go a route, it would be more so um, with Nike. Yeah. And the question is with Michigan already a Jumpman school, you know, like would, would how, how much would that way things you know like would 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 that factor in there for Notre Dame or would it be a matter of just the best deal that you can get at, you know on top of the best performance that you know because like part of this Under Armour thing as well I remember Jack Swarbert talking about it was when it was announced was like all this you know high-tech performance gear and you know it was supposed to help Notre Dame and all this stuff and really like when you look at like I like like Under Armour workout stuff yeah like their apparel and stuff is good but their on-field product is not good the shoes yeah basketball the cleats for baseball 
and and football. They're I just don't very like the color of the green, you know. And I don't know how much that's Notre Dame and how much that you know that's just like that's what Under Armour has or or what. But yeah, and and it's not just the cleats. The basketball shoes are clunky as well. The the like the comfort level. I can tell you firsthand from from people I've talked to, players don't like what's inside those shoes. You know, like the way their feet feel when they are inside those Under Armour shoes. I can tell you that for sure. You know, so like there are big issues with arguably the most important part of this. Like the athletes have to wear <laughs> these shoes you know, no matter what. You know, like to every game, to every practice, they get multiple pairs and all that stuff. But if they don't feel good and they don't perform well, then then what are you doing out there? This is this is multi-million dollar stuff. You got to get that aspect of it right. And I really don't think you could go wrong with either Adidas, you know, or either of the Nike brands. It, it, you know, again, it'll be interesting to see if they would be willing to go back to Adidas. But, you know, again, looking at Adidas's roster, the fact that they've got fewer, if they really want to step it up, I think that they would, they would throw the kitchen sink at Notre Dame to try to get them back if they can. Yeah, and I think if Notre Dame is smart, they they sit down and have a conversation with their athletes, to be honest, and ask, you know, majority of what do you guys like to wear? What's, what you know, in because in, outside of practice and, you know, when people are working out on their own, they'll, they'll wear their own stuff. So my opinion is if they sat down and asked the players, I think Nike would be the unanimous decision. So it would be a matter of do they make that work or do they chase the big contract or the big number, you know, but if they're strictly going off of, athlete preference then nike would be the one yeah and those retro jordans they do look good <laughs> coaches can wear them on the sideline <laughs> all right so that's going to be interesting to follow now as this new apparel deal comes open and uh, i'm already formulating uh, some some follow-up topics on this that we can get to in tomorrow's rapid fire as well with uh, you and me and vince here tomorrow hopefully the three of us anyway We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
on three has been doing preseason college football top 10 rankings. They've got Notre Dame linebackers ranked 10th. Irish cornerbacks ranked number six in the country. Scale of one to 10, how surprising is it that both of those units for Notre Dame show up in the top 10 in the nation in this ranking? Yeah, so 10 being, you know, an absolute shock and one being, you know, expected. I probably put this at like a, a three or four range. And the only reason it's that in that range is because I feel oftentimes Notre Dame isn't given enough credit. Um, so I'm kind of surprised that they're getting the credit that there is. But when you look at them on paper, you have Bertrand and Kaiser, you know, holding down the middle with a lot of experience, um, a lot of just overall, you know, uh, experience and, and the knowledge of what it means to play a linebacker, you know, the, the mental aspect of the game. And then you start looking at the depth behind them and, and, and Ziegler, Sneed, um, and then always he slipped in my mind, the freshman that also just came um, that plays Drake baseball Bowen. is Drake, Drake Bowen. Bowen. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just so much depth at linebacker. And then you start looking at cornerbacks um, and the fact that you have Benjamin Morrison, who was, you know, a preseason All-American, um, ended the you know how he ended last season and then again the, the depth that they have um, at the cornerback position I wouldn't say that I'm too overall shocked but I'm just I, I'm more shocked that they got the credit that they deserved at the end of the day yeah and that's uh, t- for me it's a lot higher it's a nine that I'm that I'm shocked mostly because when it comes to cornerbacks especially this has long been a position where Notre Dame has been an afterthought when it comes to national rankings like this so even though it is deserve based on who is in the room right now. I mean, you probably have to go back like what, 20 some years, like Shane Walton and Vontez Duff before they had something similar to what they have right now. And even before that, you probably go back to like the 93, 94 range with Bobby Taylor and Sean Wooden, you know, like that's, it's, it's been a while since Notre Dame could say they've got, you know, that, that kind of quality playing cornerback for them. But it, it speaks to, you know, what Mike Mickens is doing both on the recruiting trail as well as the development of those guys. You know, like one thing in this on three write up, they do say that that Cam Hart and Clarence Lewis are battling for one of the corner spots, which is just flat out wrong because Hart missed spring with an injury. He's not battling for anything. He's going to be in there. But I mean, still to hear Notre Dame when you're talking about cornerbacks to be mentioned in the same breath as. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, you know, those those kind of schools, you know, again, I think it really speaks to what Mike Mickens is doing. So it's awesome. It's just that we just haven't seen this in so long here at Notre Dame. Now, as to the linebackers, I think you hit what they hit. They did mention the fact that, okay, so you've got the veterans coming back with Bertrand, Kaiser, and Leofel, their top three tacklers, but they specifically mention that what makes Notre Dame's group so interesting is the young guys like Jalen Sneed and Nolan Ziegler pushing for time and the guys like Osbury Bowen, you know, and, and, and Zinter back there as well. These young back linebackers who are pushing these veterans potentially for some time. And again, like this really is completely unexpected to me to see them in the top 10. But again, like just the fact that they are thought of, in that breath. Well, yeah, I the mean, linebackers makes you feel better about the defense. Right the, now. They're, they're very well supported right now because you have Bertrand and Kaiser who are predominantly your, your rundown backers, right? So like first and second down. And if you get a team in third and long and you go nickel and dime, you can put someone like Jalen Sneed in there or, or, you know, Nolan 
Zeigler, guys that just have a little bit more athleticism and space and can cover space a little bit better. And that's going to help you um, in coverage. And so that's it just the, the way that they're going to be able to miss mismatch or, you know, mix the pieces together, depending on yardage um, and down. I think that's what's going to make them so special this year. Now, before the corner and linebacker rankings came out, they had Tommy Reese ranked as their number 10 offensive coordinator in the country. Do you buy or sell? Reese would have been ranked if he was still at Notre Dame. I buy him actually being ranked if he was at Notre Dame because I think enough people know about him um, nationally. And the reason why I say that is because every time Dan Orlovsky does a game, he raves about, you know, someone like Tommy Reese. <laughs> but he's and the I, only one. He's the no, but, only one who talks him up, you know? Yeah, and I, I just think that he he's a guy who knows how to study the film. And, under I mean, being a quarterback knows, you know, offensive – personnel he understands you know route development play concepts that sort of stuff so I think Tommy has respected it in the realm of you know his his play calling his play design and stuff like that and whether or not that translated to much success at Notre Dame and Notre Dame's personnel that's a different story but um, I think overall you know it's only a matter of time before Tommy Reese gets to the NFL and I think that's another thing that makes his name um, a hot commodity I, I think he's on the brink of you know breaking through into the NFL so he's he he's in my opinion, nationally known. So I, I, I buy no. this either way. I think there's a better chance of a downtown parade for Brian Kelly than there is of Reese being on this list if he was still at Notre Dame. I just, it, it's like really the only coordinators in recent memory who have gotten much credit are on the defensive side, Elko, Lee, and Marcus Freeman. And they're all head coaches now. And to me, like Reese showing up on that list is is kind of like some of these recruits, you know, like, their ratings are climbing as they're being recruited, but then they commit to Notre Dame and all of a sudden their, their climb plateaus or even comes back down. It's like, what, what, what happened there? All of a sudden, you know, like, I just think that Reese would probably be like 15th or 20th if he was still at Notre Dame, but because everybody's favorite rat poison guy, you know, the old curmudgeon Nick Saban hired him, you know, he's a bright, shiny new toy and everyone's infatuated with him now. I mean, you're right about, Dan Orlovsky, but I just never felt like Tommy got that much love before Alabama. And to me, it feels like that's why he's getting love now because, oh, he's at Alabama now. So you've got to throw some respect on him. Nick Saban sees something in him. So that's just, that's kind of how it feels to me. Fill in the blank. It's blank that the Chiefs will open the NFL season against the Detroit Lions. Um, I think it's exciting that the Chiefs are going to open the Detroit Lions. And you know, you look at it on paper and maybe in years past, you would say that it's going to be a dud. Um, but I'm really curious to see because, you know, everyone talks about the Lions. They're a year away and how they finished last season with their surge. Um, Dan Campbell, you know, I, I think if you talk to majority of Lion fans and they might be overconfident themselves, but I think it's a true test for them to see really how they stack up. And I know it's just the first game of the season, but if you're really a team that's changed, um, and you're really a team that, uh, you know, says that it, it, I think the, the Lions have a legit chance to win the NFC North next year if they can pick up where they left off last year. And if that's the case, I just feel like the Chiefs game is a good test early on to, to really see how it's going to go. And I know it's the defending Super Bowl champions. And I know that, again, it's the first game of the season. But I think even more so that that gives them the opportunity to come out and kind of make a statement early on. Yeah, it feels like the NFL is trying to sell us on Detroit early on and especially with 
Aaron Rodgers being out of the NFC North now, the Lions have to be the favorites to win that division. Can can the Bears make a big enough move from having the number one overall draft pick to you know making any waves in the division? What you know, what are the Vikings going to be? It just, I don't know. It it lacks some marquee. It's almost like Definitely. well, the Lions have some buzz coming into the season, so let's just put them in this first game you know because everyone's going to watch that first game no matter what so it doesn't matter who we put there you know so rather than push you know chiefs and and lions into the middle of the season somewhere where nobody's going to watch it in a one o'clock window you put it at the start of the season to kick off the season because again it's like patrick mahomes josh allen joe burrow Jared Goff, like that doesn't really, you know, you, you, no one's putting Jared Goff in that same company. So it, it it lacks a little bit of marquee, but who knows? Maybe the Lions will give them a game. I don't know. But again, it, like it, it, it just feels like kind of like a Thanksgiving game. Like it doesn't matter who plays the Lions or the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. People are always going to watch. And it's the same with the very first game of the season. It's going to get a huge number regardless. So it might as well just be the Lions, I guess. So in the meantime, Aaron Rodgers' first game as the New York Jets going to be on Monday Night Football against Josh Allen and the Bills. What do you think about that one? Uh, I think that's a tough matchup for someone like Aaron Rodgers to start the season considering, you know, Buffalo's pedigree the last few seasons. But um, to be honest with you, hot take here, I think Buffalo is going to take a step back in the division this year. I think you're going to start to see – I think Buffalo's hit their plateau, um, and I think their window is actually starting to shrink on them. So – I wouldn't be surprised um, if Buffalo takes a step back this year. Um, yeah, and, and and that's not to say, you know, they have Miami, um, the Jets, and um, the Patriots, obviously, in the division. And I think that uh, the Patriots and Dolphins are going to be more so towards the top of the pack. I think that it that Josh Allen, uh, nothing, nothing to say that he's not going to have a good year. I just think overall as a team – I think they're going to take a step back a little bit, but I think that's an exciting game overall. I think uh, like that's a good test for Aaron Rodgers and, and being Aaron Rodgers' first game. I think it makes it more exciting. It's not against just a dud opponent. Um, yeah. It should be a good matchup. Really exciting one, and you know, in fact, the opposite of like you you very easily could have put this in that Thursday night game. Now they can't because they they're they're giving that Thursday opening night game to the Super Bowl champion for the last few years, but like this would have been a better matchup for that first game than, than, you know, chiefs lions, I think, but it, it's interesting. You think they're going to take a, a step back because you've always kind of been high on the bills. And I just, I don't know that Aaron Rodgers is going to make that much of a dent early on. Like we did, I, I think, was it you and I, we did our AFC quarterback rankings a month or so yeah. back. And like, I didn't have Rodgers in my top five, in the AFC. Well, I think what makes so. the Jets, you know, in particular kind of challenging, as I mean, Buffalo lost to them last year. The Jets have a solid defense. And to me, their their real issue was on uh, the quarterback play and the offense. And so I think if they can take, you know, it, I'm, I, Aaron Rodgers isn't the Aaron Rodgers a pass. But if Aaron Rodgers can just be, you know, consistent enough, I think the Jets take a, a leap forward this year. So I think that th those games – are going to be you know pretty close and I think Aaron Rodgers is ultimately going to be the deciding factor if Aaron Rodgers can play you know how he's played in the past I think the Jets could really excel this season and be yeah. a 10-win team 
Derek is not very happy with my shots on the Lions today. So I I respect Derek, the heck you, out you of probably him. are one of the people who still complains about the pass interference against the the Cowboys in the playoffs. That's right. I you know like I what what Dan Campbell was able to do with that team. You know, watching Hard Knocks, they were the Hard Knocks team last year, and watching like the very last scene of Hard Knocks, they asked him what the Lions were going to be. You know, something along those lines, and he sat there and he paused for what seemed like minutes, <laughs> but you know, he, he and he basically gave the, you know, we're going to be a team that plays hard, and you know those those kind of things, and in the end, they were like he he got he got the maximum out of that roster, I think, last year. They've added some talent in the draft. I still. I think they made a mistake by not just drafting Bijan Robinson and going with Jameer Gibbs. I did not understand that whole process with their first round pick. Yeah, me either. But we'll see. I mean, that division is there for them to win this year. So we'll see if he can pull it off without Aaron Rodgers. John saying he wanted to see the Chiefs play the Bengals in the first game. They're going to get them New Year's Eve instead. You're going to have to wait till New Year's Eve to see the Chiefs and the Bengals play. Shift gears a little bit. to The full schedule, by the way, comes out today. Did you see some of the schedule leaks that have started coming out? I know you've been busy today. Nope. I, uh, I'm i not a leak leak type of guy. I don't watch. All right, I, I won't let you know, the, uh, unless you want me to tell you. There's some Cowboys opponents games that came out. So I know that they're in Buffalo this year, so hopefully that is during a favorable time. Yes, um, that's and- the one we're looking at. Apparently, um, it's going to be Commanders on Thanksgiving, which I'm not real thrilled about. But <laughs> I don't like divisional whatever. opponents on the Thanksgiving game. Yeah, me either. Orlando, Florida has a $1.7 billion stadium proposal on the table in the hopes of bringing in a Major League Baseball team. Do you buy or sell another big league team in the state of Florida? I sell it, and I don't think that Orlando – like, there's already so much going on in Orlando, you know? And I, I get that that's probably what their their thought is, is if, you know, all these people are down there for, you know, Disney, and they're just there's, – there's so many things going on down there in the summertime that I think they're like, okay, if, we're, if we could put a baseball team here, it just gives, you know, the people another option to kind of go out and, and, you know, see a baseball game. But I just think that there's better options um, that, and we've talked about it before. I think there's better, more enticing option. I, I would rather see a team in Vegas before I'd like to see a team in Orlando. For sure. And yeah. I just think that there's better spots that they could go to. Um, it just feels like Florida and Orlando is just kind of like the lazy decision, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, Orlando is just such a tourist area. I don't see anyone being more interested in baseball there than they are in Tampa. You know, Tampa already has all these issues. If anything, if Orlando wants a team – Move the Rays out of Tampa. Yeah, and that's decaf just said the exact same thing that I was saying. Just move the Rays out of Tampa over to Orlando. The stadium is much nicer than what they've got in Tampa. That thing is a pit there, and they've been trying for years and years to get a new stadium built there in Tampa, but they can't get it built. Just build the stadium in Orlando and move the Rays out of Tampa. That that seems like that would be the solution if Orlando wants a team. I, I just... Three doesn't make sense because none of those, neither of the two teams right now are are consistent draws anyway. Yeah, like the markets the aren't season, great already for the two teams that are already there. Yeah, you've got mostly transplants down there who are fans of like 
the Yankees and Red Sox and Phillies and, you know, all those teams from up north. It's like northern people who moved down there. So why why are you trying to bother building interest in another Major League Baseball team? It just doesn't make sense. And that's fair as well, Mike. He says, I live in Tampa. The Rays are in St. Pete. And that is right. I've been, I've been, I haven't been in the stadium, but I have been by the stadium down there. But yeah. I would, excuse me. I like that idea better though. Instead of creating a new team in Orlando, just move one of the already existing teams and from, you know, Miami or Tampa to, I think Miami would never change just because of it's Miami. But I think you'd have to go from Tampa slash St. Pete uh, to Orlando. Yeah. Derek says he would move the Royals there. The Royals are actually talking about, they're supposed to be building a downtown Kansas city stadium here pretty soon. And, you know, it's like, why would you want to, move what is now another pathetic team into the state the way the Royals have, like it's like we're going to have 30 well, more I think years the issue of bad is baseball now. what's enticing so. for all of these new stadiums is if you can move them closer to downtown you can do more stuff with it outside right. of the season essentially and I think every every new stadium that you're going to see is going to be at least a retractable roof because of what you can do you can close the roof in the winter time and hold you know basketball games concerts you know whatever it might be it, it can just be more multi-purpose and when people are investing millions and billions of dollars and taxpayer money goes into it you want to get the most out of it as possible yeah i agree la dodgers outfielder mookie betts stayed by himself in an airbnb in milwaukee this week while the rest of the dodgers stayed at an old hotel that is thought to be haunted have you ever stayed somewhere that's thought to be haunted? I'm sure I've stayed in a hotel that's, uh, you know, assumed to be haunted. But the one that clearly comes to mind is that the university I went to for college actually was pretty known that. to be haunted. We had uh, this is kind of freaky to say, but we had a librarian at one point hang herself, you know, in the years prior. And, the, and so there was literally a floor on the library that was no access the floor that, you know, she unfortunately was on at the time. So there was always rumors of ghosts in the halls and that the paintings were looking at you. And like, there was a specific one hallway that you just didn't go down late at night. And it always connected the dorms to the study area. And most people did not walk down that hallway by themselves, but there was definitely some weird behavior that went on at the university. There were dorms actually that people weren't allowed to live on because, or live in because there were too many complaints of weird stuff going on as well. Really? So yeah, I mean, they had certain floors uh, cut off and they had certain dorms cut off as well. But I never really experienced anything too freaky, I don't think. Um, but you could definitely people did their research, you know, on it. And there was there's weird stuff that had gone on. And at one point it was like um, the university was founded by the sisters. So it was at one point like an all nun school or all, all female school, too. Mm -hmm. So there's just a lot of kind of history um, at the university. Interesting. The only place and nothing happened. You, you, I think you were with me. We went to Cincinnati with baseball and we stayed in an old hotel that was supposed to be haunted. I think there was like certain floor, you know, or certain rooms or something like that. And we weren't around it. I, I don't remember anything being reported um, happening, but that's the only place that I've ever stayed that I know of. I actually used to work with someone who um, grew up in a house 
that he says was haunted. And like, he says he, you know, like all these different stories about like, you know, things that were seen in the house and stuff like that. And it was like here in South Bend, you know, things in the house and they had do, you know, did some of the different stuff. And I don't know if I've told you, but my, our current duplex, uh, there's, there's a little weird activity at times. Really? Yeah. Like, like, uh, and, and there's, there's backstory with it too. A lady was, uh, unfortunately, um, shot in our house at one point, like 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, and there's just instances where like, uh, like I remember one night the TV turned on by itself and I went out into the living room to turn it off. And as soon as I picked up the remote, the TV shut back off. So just by picking up the remote, just by picking, I didn't hit any buttons. TV just popped on full blare middle of the night, walked out, picked up the remote. And I'm not kidding you. As soon as I picked up the remote, it just shut off by itself again. Wow. Spooky. You didn't tell me that. <laughs> well, I don't like to tell my guests that because they're a little freaked out. <laughs> I tell all my guests. I don't I don't think it the the the, the if, if the whatever is here, I don't I don't think it's it's harmful. I just think that they're kind of co it's co-living. Just, just kind of there. Just kind of there. Wanting to let you know that they're there. Exactly. I don't think there's any malicious intent they're just they just want you to know they're here and yeah that this is still their house too <laughs> interesting Alrighty then <laughs> we went on a weird segue on this question i know i know thanks to mookie Betts. <laughs> i didn't hear that though that's kind of interesting and i've always wondered if like if the team has any issue with that because obviously it's personal preference so well i mean if someone has a fear of that or is just creeped out by that. Right. I don't know how what you are you going to say him. no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially when they're a former MVP, you know, <laughs> and making the money that he does. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's the first time I've heard of something like that. And my first thought was like, do they stay there every year? Is this the first time they've stayed in that hotel? Well, then it's what? like, yeah, it's like, why did the Dodgers even book the place? Yeah. All right, Golden State beat the Lakers last night to send the series back to game six in Los Angeles. What'd you think of Golden State's game plan last night? I thought Golden State played a much better game last night. And the way I think the number one thing that stood out is Draymond Green had 20 points. And the reason he did that is because he made an emphasis to get to the basket and down low. And the Warriors just didn't depend on their shooting the entire game. And another aspect is they got to the free throw line themselves. And there's been a, a big you know, controversy about the amount of shots that the Lakers have taken, free throw shots that the Lakers have taken to Golden State. But the thing about it is, you know, the majority of the Lakers points come down in the paint area with Anthony Davis and the late and the Warriors just want to shoot. And, well, you know, the, the thing is, is you're not going to get as many fouls just pulling up and shooting. And so I understand that it's frustrating, but gameplay, you know, it, it, you're not going to get a lot of free throw shots when you're just pulling up from three pointer and, and long range jumpers. And last night, the free throw comparison was about even, and the Warriors came out on top. And I think another point of visit is the Warriors didn't get sloppy with their turnovers. They they handled the ball a lot better. The Lakers are trying to push the ball um, in transition, and that's what Draymond did so well last night is he pushed tempo, and he forced the Lakers to also run in transition as well. See, and that was, that was the biggest thing to me is they just – Golden State just decided we're going to run, and they just kept running rim run after rim run. And, like – Curry would still put up a three every now and then, but a lot of times he'd bring the ball up and just 
go to the rim, you know, and just and that, yeah, exactly. Curry was also a, making his way to the rim. And when you've got a 38 year old on the other side who, you know, is like strategically picking and choosing where he's going to exert his energy and you're making him have to work like that and try to get it up and down the floor. That's, that's what I felt like had the biggest influence on, on the game was just the tempo that golden state decided they were going to go with. Cause there's all the, been all the talk about Steve Kerr adjusting the lineups and going, you know, like getting loony out of there and going small and doing all this stuff and, and tinkering with the lineup more than he usually does. But like, that was the best decision. It seemed like he made last night was just let's force the tempo and, and make LA have to try to keep up with it. Yeah. They forced the, they, they flipped kind of the Lakers game plan back on themselves. They, they forced tempo out in transition and they were slashing to the rim much more. They weren't just settling for a lot of pull-up jumpers and, you know, turning the ball over and leading uh, to, to, you know, Laker points in transition. Cause that's, that's ultimately where the Lakers are going to get you is out in transition. They love to run in transition, get their guys down the court. Um, and yeah, just really work towards the rim. So it was just good to see Golden State not take as many shots last night. Back to the Under Armour topic that we started off with. Kevin <laughs> says, what about champion? And of course, Notre Dame was with champion. Like, is champion, like, are they still a viable brand at this point? That is really, you just, you, you don't hear about champion much. It, basically, since Notre Dame left champion, what, 25 or so years ago? I don't know, because like, it was a combo thing where like, they had champion as the uniforms, but they had Adidas as the shoes there for a while, and then it became full-fledged Adidas. I don't know. Well, it'd be interesting to see if they're they would, you know, be wanting to piece something together again. Because I've seen people say Russell as well. But I mean, pretty much right now the major players are Nike slash Jumpman, which again are two separate entities, but they're all obviously still under the same roof. And then Adidas and then Under Armour really is a distant third. And Under Armour, especially if they lose Notre Dame, they might not even stay in the apparel game that much longer. They might just shift their focus to something else. All right. You got well, anything Jess, else for me? That's it. That is it tonight. <laughs> we had a longer list than usual tonight thanks to tom noy for joining us earlier tonight we got to talk a little bit of notre dame hoops jesse now i know you've got you've had a really busy week and you're going to be busy again tomorrow do you think you're going to be able to be with vince and i on tomorrow's show it just depends if uh the, the workers want to take the friday early if there's a there's a possibility that we get out at four the only the the, the downside is is the site is an hour and a half away and so even if we end at five o'clock, that's still, you know, an hour and a half drive um, to get right. back home. So I'd say it's still up in the air. It depends on how much they get done tomorrow. Um, but we'll see. I, I'd give it a 50-50 chance. So you may be doing the uh, coded signals in the car once again. <laughs> like, is that an option? Uh, it, it could be. But again, I'm, you know, it's Friday. So I'm trying to, I'm also trying to get home. And, oh, uh, I see. I see. Well, if you do, you might want to take a cooler and a bag of ice for your for your phone just in case you need to cool it off again. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't so, overheat. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks 
to everyone for joining us on the show today. Had a good time, and we'll have the Rapid Fire Friday show at 5 o'clock tomorrow as well. Appreciate you being here. Smash the like button on your way out, and of course, subscribe, rate, and review on your podcast platforms as well. Peace out. We will talk to you tomorrow on IB Nation Sports Talk. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.